Welcome to the Becoming Yourself podcast. This podcast is focused on personal development, healing, mindset, and becoming who you truly want to be. We learn through others' experiences and use the knowledge they have gained to better our own lives. Hope you enjoy the episode. In this episode, I talk with my uncle, Chris Bogle. Since he's my uncle, I've known him all of my life. He's had a pretty interesting self-discovery journey that's pretty different from most. We talk about the things he's learned from his experiences and the different practices he's engaged in that have helped him in his self-discovery. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so do you want to give a little bit of an introduction of who you are or a little bit of background of your life story and kind of just introduce to us who Chris Bogle is? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so who am my life story who chris bogle is um <laughs> it, it's complicated right but it's yeah. it's also really simple but you know essentially i'm eight of ten kids in chandler arizona and then that that life led me to moving to Portland, Oregon, where I lived for a little over three years. Um, there, I found glass blowing and a few other things that put some direction into my life. And then really from there so i went to school i studied at tennessee tech university and got a bfa and i mean that story is pretty interesting along the way um <laughs> through school within a matter of gosh well, those two years when i got married and divorced and then finish school, like, I don't know, I guess this podcast is more about yourself necessarily than the relationships I've been in. I mean, um, the, rela- the relationships you've been in teach you a lot about yourself too, so. They certainly do. A partner is a great mirror. Um, <laughs> And, and that's a big part of it. Um, I, I guess like, <clears throat> you know, through some of your, the podcasts that I've listened to, you know, you've had people talk about um, Andrew Weil, um, Carl Jung, you know, all of these different like, philosophers, psychologists, um, and and a lot of those people have been influences in my life. Um, here, I'll get back to my brief history, though. Um, <laughs> so finishing school in Tennessee, um, After school, I moved to the East Coast, and then I traveled around the country with my partner at the time, 
who is now my co-parent. I have two kids that are relatively young, four and three, and I am currently living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, <clears throat> but I have, gosh, I've lived in, at this point, like, I think six or seven states, and I've traveled to 48 of the 50 states. Oh, my gosh. You know, some of it's just been driving through and some of yeah. it's been spending time there, but um, I spent a lot of time on the road, seeing places, um, just kind of like giving myself experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess like for me, my learning experience in my life has been a lot more like visceral and tactile. Um, like in the last year or so, I've read a lot more books. Mm -hmm. What's interesting as I'm reading these books, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know that. But it's from my life experience. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I, I do in my life. Um, so I didn't like make like a bullet point sheet or anything about. And I would say chances are, Brecken, my life experience is going to be a lot different than a lot of the other people that you've interviewed on your podcast so far. Yeah, that's totally so, fine. That's why we have uh, that's why we like talking to different people because it's different backgrounds and we can all learn different things from different people. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> and Andrew Weil, right? Let's just, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. I haven't actually read any of his books, but he became an influence in my life as because of some of his contemporaries in his early, in his college education and early career. Um, part of, a big part of my existence and who I am today um, really started when I acknowledged that I'd always felt different from other people, mm -hmm. right? Like I could be in a group of people and always feel like I was the outsider. Um, so what were those feelings? Like what, what was the disconnect? Where was the connection? And like being raised in a church that eventually I didn't really identify with within myself um, and found that I connected better with humanity as I disconnected with that 
with that concept of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've come to realize, so I'm 40 now, but in my, in my early twenties, so like now I realize that this whole process has been a healing process. Mm-hmm. But in my early twenties, I thought I was rebelling against <laughs> something. Um, but so, I mean, maybe it was a rebellion, how... but but a rebellion towards um, expectations for yourself, maybe. I don't know, or different ways of thinking that other people put placed upon you. So it could be a rebellion of sorts, but <laughs> it was a rebellion, but it was also a healing process. Yes, yes. You know, it's the difference between being in the present moment and things being um, retrospective and introspective mm-hmm. as my whole life experience comes together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, Brecken. my life included a whole lot, a whole spectrum of things and still does. Um, But in Portland, I had an opportunity for the first time. um, This is where things might get a little interesting, (laughs) but to, to have psilocybin mushrooms Mm -hmm. and to have a psychedelic experience and see, this is where Andrew Weil um, he was one of the people with Timothy Leary at Harvard to do the Harvard psychedelic experiments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and ultimately, the interesting thing about that is the neuroplasticity that not just psilocybin mushrooms, but like all these different funguses create for our brains, Mm -hmm. right? So in our early childhood and adolescence, our brains are formed. We have neuropathways. We experience life. We have traumas. We have all of this stuff. And your neuropathways, like as you experience life, you travel through the same neural pathways, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about it as like a highway in your brain, yeah. If you have this experience, your frame of reference is that that pathway. And so if you have a trauma in that pathway, you're going to continue to live through that, we'll call it a trigger of that trauma. Mm-hmm. Every time you go down that highway or pathway. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so creating neuroplasticity and recreating experiences while your brain is at its most malleable mm-hmm. gives you new neural pathways. This makes it more fluid um, and more be able to be flown through kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Um so like recently I was reading a book uh, by Gabar Mate. It's his newest book called The Myth of Normal. And basically he's talking about 
the fact that most humans, right? Like not a handful, but most, <laughs> most humans, most adult humans are still living and reacting to life through their earliest trauma experiences. Mm-hmm. Like they're scared children in adult bodies. Yes. And I, I right? totally agree with that. And I feel like a lot more people act in those ways or react in those ways and they have no idea they're even doing so. Like I do all the time. Every single human does it all the time. But the thing is, most of the time we don't even realize that that's happening. Right. So, so this was like, I had the opportunity to have a psychedelic experience and it changed my life. Immediately, I had different perceptions about things that were pretty part of brain function is that it, it also solidifies right so like we get these concepts that become like cemented as a concept in our mind in our behavior um so we have like the malleable plasticity and then the solidification like cementing of these things Mm -hmm. and our brain does both things like creates concrete concepts and function but also has the ability to completely change Mm -hmm. right so like concrete versus water knowing right and it does both (laughs) yeah um so so that was like a mind opening experience for me where i said i like learned that things didn't have to be the way that I thought they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then glass blowing came into my life, which is like, I really learned a great skill and I'm, I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. And as part of my career, but it, it's almost less important the actual thing as much as it is the journey that that thing put into my life, right? Yes, yes. Um, so then I moved to Tennessee uh, and went to college there. And my college experience... I would say was relatively unique in not just like being an art student where like my curriculum was creativity Mm -hmm. and self-expression. So there was like that juxtaposition of going to college and the boxes that you get put in like if you know the song little boxes right like (laughs) as humans we get put in these little boxes 
but then it's also like so it's being put in these boxes but also breaking them and mm -hmm. breaking them and breaking them um so just like learning concepts and testing that concept breaking that concept and seeing how it fit in my life mm -hmm. um so Also, where I went to school, I was, it was on a peninsula on a lake 30 minutes from anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, like, as art students, we had a lot of freedom within that context of also being isolated yeah which yeah. is you know a whole nother concept of itself of <laughs> freedom within isolation mm -hmm. however right like i wasn't just learning a skill or a trade or anything that you do in college i was also learning how to be creative learning how to express myself through through medium, right? Through material. And needless to say, that led to a whole handful of other psychedelic experiences. <laughs> um, and also the tools to learn, to know how to like study what was happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. I just started reading books about psychedelic experiences, other people's psychedelic experiences, the psychology of of these like in my I would call these things plant medicines. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll get to my post college phase in a little bit because there was some pretty groundbreaking stuff that then changed my my whole concept of reality after school mm -hmm. um but that was where during school i really started like reading about how our minds evolve how we can change our perceptions our views of the world, of reality, of ourself. And it, it hadn't really gotten into like childhood stuff or archetypal stuff at that point. It was just like something is like our brains are, are malleable. We have the ability to, to shift and evolve like I really consider myself a constant evolution of a human, mm -hmm. which is a nice freeing perspective. Yes, yes, it um, is. <laughs> and then, okay, so that was kind of where Ram Das came into my life. And Ram Das. 
is a gosh, what would I call him? Like a guru per se. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he's really a guru, but a self self he was he was part of um i don't know if you would ever even call himself a guru yeah but he's kind of knows are are you familiar yeah like are you familiar (laughs) with ram das at all reckon i i am not i am not maybe i should become but not at the moment I mean, he's written a lot of books, got got a lot of lectures on YouTube and things mm-hmm. like that. It's basically consciousness and awareness. But he was he was with Timothy Leary and Andrew Weil for their during their first psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. And there's a cool book called Harvard Psychedelic Club that goes through all of their experiences. And their experiments, and um, he kind of described his first experience with psilocybin mushrooms as the first time he ever felt at home. Mm-hmm. Right, like he—it was like the first time he was ever fully comfortable with himself safe with himself and that brought him to go to india visit an ashram which is like a you know a a yoga center essentially yeah uh a little more spiritually based practices and philosophies Mm -hmm. and had his name his name was changed to Ram Das there which means like follower of God or disciple of God Mm -hmm. right so I guess this is a notable thing for my own life is I was raised in the LDS church went on my mission also to Tennessee, ironically, since I then went back for school. (laughs) And then I left the church, but that was a long transition. And ultimately that transition or why it was long was because in my life, there was some whether it was conscious or subconscious, an identification within myself of that's how I received the love and recognition from my family, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of, I didn't ever publicly announce like, oh, I'm leaving the church. Yeah. Like I literally pretended to go to church for like two years and I would go to Starbucks and drink coffee and smoke cigarettes <laughs> in my white shirt and tie because, you know, I was like going to a singles ward in Mesa. Uh-huh. Nobody knew what I was doing. That was fine. But I don't know. Ultimately, honesty, even brutal honesty, like it's better if you have internal conflict 
that's going to express ex itself through external conflict. And I was in a pretty um, internally conflicted space in my life at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, but so after leaving the church, this was kind of like going back to Portland. I identified as an atheist for 10 years of my life. So all through college and then kind of towards the end of the call, my college career and having these psychedelic experiences as kind of spirituality started coming back into my life, but mm -hmm. it still didn't recognize God or a supreme anything, a higher power. Mm -hmm. It was more just like energies, right? Do you like, think? Do you think the atheist mindset was also a rebellion, kind of in a way of, um, past what you thought had to be concrete beliefs? It did because there was only one alternative mm -hmm. to the other, right? Like, at least in what your mindset was at the time, yeah. Right, and my with what with my understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was either like this one true religion or nothing. Mm -hmm. Right? Like one thing or nothing. And so <laughs> I was like, I I literally have been so depressed with my life and everything with this one true thing that, yeah, I have to rebel to be who I am, which is that nothingness, mm -hmm. um, at least as far as like a higher power is concerned. Mm -hmm. So, which, you know, existing in your personal nothingness is a real place of beauty in that like, yeah, grandiosity and putting yourself above other individuals is, um, you know, a place of conflict as well. So <laughs> yes, yes, it is. That's kind of a, a Buddhist philosophy mm -hmm. is, you know, I am nothing you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm coming into my nothingness and the more of myself and my ego yeah right like this is where we really get to like identify what ego is and you know you can take ego back to your childhood trauma mm -hmm. back to your archetypal concepts because okay in one of your podcasts you talked a lot about archetypal stuff. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is totally true. I might, I, I create a lot of my own concepts, mm -hmm. but we there's like, <laughs> right. There's the, the like collective conscious or unconscious archetypes. Yeah. The way that, I really see archetypes as like my personal archetype 
it's like a brain structure of how we perceive things, people, roles. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's like the collective or societal concepts of what these things are, then within ourselves, we have our own perspectives of what the archetype is. Mm -hmm. And frequently it it's just it's got a, a wound in it right yeah yeah i mean there's and different there's different is, um spectrums like to the archetypes as well so one could be well yeah there's there's like the good side in quotations and the the, the bad side also in quotations because there is no such thing as good and bad those are only perceptions of our own thoughts and that's also another form of concrete thinking that we have, but yeah, there's like, different there's different forms of each type of archetype as well, and then they're on a spectrum, and all of us lie on that spectrum in as individuals as well, in different times and different moments in our lives. So yes, it is all based on our own perceptions as well. So yeah our our light and our shadow sides right yes like, yes that's what it's called yeah, this yeah. is this is part of part of the the fun part about life is we don't have to fix who we are we get to accept our shadow and love ourselves for our light and our shadow mm -hmm. right like yes so it but anyways let me get back on track um <laughs> if i was on a track i might have just gotten completely distracted but it's okay anyways, it's okay so, it's interesting so so after school right this is a little personal life stuff i'd gotten divorced from my wife i had met somebody new and after living on the East Coast for a little bit, we traveled and part of that traveling led me to a Lakota Sundance mm. on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And this is where I get into like specifically when I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to read. I do when I can, but I can listen to podcasts all the time. And so like, I'll be listening to some Jungian podcast and some out of this left field um concepts this is stuff i know this feels like intuition to me but but it came from somewhere mm -hmm. all right so grew up mormon left the church identified as atheist nine ten years later started acknowledging some spirituality in the form of like energies and really it was i was it was crystals right like mm -hmm. i was 
doing work with crystals, different quartz, amethysts, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. Was that, kind of, uh, was that, do you think that was impacted by also the glass blowing or is that a completely different side of things? Well, you know, my, my glass work, I started making a lot of crystals kind of as mm -hmm. a result of how the crystals were impacting my life. Uh -huh. And this is growth has a lot of hard times in it. Mm -hmm. There's conflict and growth because your ego fights back. Yeah, your ego doesn't and want to change. Right. And then you break through that and there's something more beautiful on the other side. Yes, yes. And this is what started happening to me when, say, like, I started carrying crystals around in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Like, difficult things would happen that would lead to more beauty. Difficult mm -hmm. things, more beauty, more success, growth, and, you know, you think all it was this stuff. Do you think it was the actual crystals or just the acknowledgement of the possibility of the energies that actually changed it? Oh, Brecken, who knows if it's the actual <laughs> physical object? It, like never, it, ultimate... it never is the actual physical object. It's always <laughs> symbolism. <laughs> our brains are the powerful things. Yep. yep. Um, all right. So in 2015, I ended up at this Sundance and it's a very old, old indigenous ceremony. It's pre-Christian dates back, you know, like forever. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is where my life really started to change. And whether it was good or bad, or who knows just yet, mm -hmm. right? I'm still still changed. alive. Just yeah. changed. <laughs> but I started seeing what I would consider to be like real magic from real people. Mm -hmm. Right? Like just the littlest, simplest things, but very spiritual experiences in and like i was experiencing live scripture i can listen to jungian red book excerpts of his dreams and different things and actually identify with those experiences because i've experienced them like, mm -hmm. so uh, I don't want to really get into like the whole ceremony part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a big part of the acknowledgement is that you're working with your ancestors, or your ancestors mm -hmm. are working with you. Yeah, that's and super cool. Part of so, like, it's all just a sequence of events that we could say are um, 
gosh, what's the word? I've kind of blocked it out of my mind. Coincidence, right? A sequence of events that you could call coincidences, but I don't, I don't really believe in coincidences. I yeah, coincidences are not real things. Yeah, no such thing as coincidences, right? Yeah, and this is one of the things like. So, it wasn't. I knew people at the Sundance. I didn't know them well, but it was essentially like my partner's father and some of her family. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then this, like, you're going there and your family, you know, um, just within that realm. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of how you're invited in is as part of the family so i had specifically asked not told instructed informed about what i was going to experience right i wanted to have no preconceptions of my experience so that I can have the most authentic experience of for myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, one of the instructions I was given was to have an awareness that what I would, that basically your individual personal work, right, like, something you needed to work on for yourself would surface. Yeah. And Those I started experiencing jealousy. Mm-hmm. Right. It, uh, and you're in this very like vibrational, it's like stepping into a whole new world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you're still on the planet, but <laughs> You, you've just moved up into a whole nother situation. Mm-hmm. And so basically I started experiencing jealousy mm-hmm. and that led me into a part of the ceremony as a firekeeper. Mm. Um, I needed to like get to know somebody and they were working at the fire and so, so I decided to do that, right? No coincidence. Mm-hmm. Now, here I am. It's been, what, almost back to Sundance for my ninth consecutive time to do the same thing I, I fell into in 2015. Mm-hmm. So, but what I, what I do while well, I am, at the fire of the ceremony is a very, you know, I kind of like this whole crystal thing. It's very multifaceted. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's the dance that happens and the fire is for the dance, but then there's also sweat lodges. And so I, the fire, heats up the stones or the grandfathers which are considered some of the the first creations 
Mm -hmm. right? So they have the most knowledge. And then water is poured over those stones. Water is also one of the first creations. Mm -hmm. And so it has the knowledge and you to creator or to god or your higher power but also to your ancestors those that came before you mm-hmm. and it you know like you have a familiarity with sacred places and what you might say, like, the veil is thin. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, one of those places. But with a completely pre-Christian concept to, to the ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And so here I am, and I say, I'm this white kid doing this ceremony with <laughs> all of these indigenous people people and I have the privilege of doing this thing and the person who like is the chief that runs this Sundance he's he's passed away now Mm -hmm. but Chief Leonard Crowdog you know he was he was protected his family kept him out of the boarding schools he actually wrote the Native American Freedom of Religion Act that protected these ceremonies and plant medicines for indigenous use Mm -hmm. and for people like me who, you know, ultimately, you know, it's not just um, indigenous people that benefit from these ceremonies. It is a lot of ceremony outside of a good sacred purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, But so this is where like my real spirituality that I identify with now came in. And my spirituality and my personal identity and my growth is in, in my just humanity are now so intertwined that like that's who I am mm-hmm. right like I could be a glass blower I could be an artist you know like my current career I'm an art handler you know I work at an art gallery on Canyon Road in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Like there's so many different aspects. Right. Like <laughs> but who I am <laughs> is I mean I guess who I am really is like just a wounded child growing, healing and trying to be an adult not that i want to be an adult what what is the like authentic i think think adulthood is just yeah i think adulthood should be just 
the pathway to healing your wounded child. That's what it really is. That's what maturity kind of is. It's right. more growth. Yeah. Like coming into your authenticity, right? Yes. It's not like your higher self. self or your better self or your best self. Mm -hmm. It's just authentic, right? Yes. So who are you? Well, does it really matter? Like, <laughs> uh, it does, like, but there's so many things we can identify with. Mm -hmm. So that's what changed my concept. That's what changed my mind. And, and then I learned a whole new set of tools. I also learned that say like these psychedelic experiences that I'd had with psilocybin now could say like transform into like it, it created some context but then there's also like within this realm plant medicine ceremonies that have been going on for centuries maybe even millennia Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like me and my friends in the woods eating mushrooms and playing in the lake with glow sticks <laughs> and LED balloons, right? That was my <laughs> college experience. Yeah. But staying up all night in a teepee meeting with a medicine person, medicine right staring into the fire mm -hmm. staring into like the soul of the universe and letting like the, it's a whole different context right there's a the concept of set and setting like your mindset and the setting that you're that you're in mm -hmm. and the set and setting provide healing spaces yeah, yeah so it allows you to focus on more of certain types of things. Um, not be distracted by like the illusion of what society gives us yes right yeah. there's no party to it <laughs> and there's uh, no LED. So there's no light up balloons to distract us. No light up balloons, right? <laughs> there's a rattle of a drum, and and a, and a sacredness to it. Yes, yeah. And and it's it's all prayer, sing songs all night, and you know, all of this. It's a completely different context to some of the things I had played around in my younger years mm -hmm. um, now here's an interesting thing which is definitely a part of my journey and part of who I am and who I was and who I'm becoming 
so in all of this rebellion, I, I had this really interesting experience. And this happened for me before I moved away from Arizona. Mm-hmm. But in this early conflict of my life, uh, my depression and part of my thinking associating that depression with with the church constricted by or limited by I found alcohol and the first time I drank well I think the first time I drank I was like 12 Mm -hmm. maybe 13 I don't know I I can't get into that stuff because uh, uh, it incriminates (laughs) people that you might know But um, as an adult, the first time I drank was the first time I felt a sense of relief from my own mind. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, I'm not depressed anymore. I would wake up the next morning and I felt good. I finally felt good. And so through all of the evolutions of what I went through, Alcohol was always a part of my story as well. Mm-hmm. So whether I was, whether it was a normal day, whether I was celebrating, whether I was sad, it didn't really matter. At some point of most days of my life, from the age of twenty-two or twenty-three, I I was drinking. Um, parts of that, like the two weeks before I finished college, I was drinking a lot going through those last steps of college. Mm -hmm. The months after I finished school, my dad passed away. I was drinking a lot. And then it came to the point where I had had these spiritual experiences at Sundance. My life was changing. I had a concept that sobriety was a better path, that I needed to quit drinking for my for my personal growth, for mm-hmm. my spirituality. But I was never acknowledging the conflict that alcohol was putting into my life. Mm-hmm, it was always mm-hmm. like a choice that I needed to choose to continue my growth. Yeah. But I was never making that choice. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And you were more focusing on the positive things that could happen rather than the negative things that were already happening. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, but when I found out, we were pregnant with my first child at a bottle of whiskey and I dumped it out and I quit drinking for a few months. Mm-hmm. Right now here's an interesting part of that few months of my life because I don't know where all of my traumas came from as a child, but I know that they've impacted my whole life. 
And one of the things that is just an example is I always had difficulty reading out loud, right? Like to the point where I was every year of my schooling, I was pulled out of class. I was tested. My IQ was tested, my intelligence. At some point, somebody told me, Brecken, somebody told me I was stupid and that I couldn't do things and that I wasn't smart. Mm -hmm. And I identified with that. Yeah, yeah. And it screwed up a whole lot of my youth. Mm -hmm. But it didn't screw me up for my whole life. So anyways, the point is, during that like first three months of that of my adulthood that I ever even attempted sobriety, I like started reading more books mm -hmm. and I read them out loud. And it took me a matter of like a couple of days and I was like comfortable reading out loud and anything and not struggling through these things that like, man, you ask like, how did I make it through college with, with the mindset that I had that I, I wasn't a good reader, mm -hmm. but, but now then until now, it's like not an issue. Like it's like a, a snap. And that whole part of my existence changed. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Some of that could be accounted to like my brain actually having space to make those acknowledgements. Mm -hmm. I was sober. I was examining myself. Um, but so anyways, let's, we'll move forward a little bit <clears throat> in... What year are we in? 23? So in, in June of 22, so my, my spirituality, I had an opportunity to sit in a medicine ceremony with a plant medicine that had been in my awareness for a long time. However, it wasn't I, I, I try not to seek these things out. Yeah. I try to, when the time is right, it presents itself. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity to participate in a ceremony with a medicine person and have the ceremony. And the active or psychoactive ingredient in ayahuasca and is known as the spirit molecule. Mm -hmm. It literally exists in every single thing that is living on this planet, right? Mm -hmm. The tree that your hammock is hanging from has <laughs> dimethyltryptamine in it. Mm -hmm. One of the chemicals that activates our dreams in our brain is dimethyltryptamine, right? Like it already exists in us. And part of 
like these medicine ceremonies is right you're working your ancestors are working with you transcending space time reality lifetimes like right so, and then there's the integration period of what the hell did I just experience? Because <laughs> that's nothing I've ever experienced before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know, from my own perspective, I would say that this is, these are things that everybody should experience. And has no conflict with any spiritual philosophy from my perspective. And at the same time, should be an individual's choice if it comes into your life. No reason to say no, as long as it's in a good way. Yeah. But the interesting thing for me wasn't so much the experience I had of the ceremony, but home from the ceremony. And that the minute I walked into my house, even though this is like philosophy that me and my co-parent share, I walked into the house and my relationship started falling apart. And so like, and then I spent the summer traveling, doing other things and like just my family, my relationship, like my whole life just turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? This has to be God changing my life because I wasn't making the changes I needed to make for myself. Mm -hmm. So this is where these huge ruptures in life, it's like, if you can't see it yourself, then God's going to do it for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I put myself in a situation. The medicine woman said to change your life, have this medicine. And I said, yes, to my life being changed. Mm -hmm. Right. And so God, the universe and my ancestors heard me say yes. And it brought a lot of pain and a lot of destruction but it also, and I, I'm still in part of that painful, I wouldn't say there's a lot of destruction now, but like just healing from very deep things. Mm -hmm. But within a week of the ceremony, I quit drinking alcohol. And within a month of the ceremony, I quit smoking pot. 
which had I haven't talked about, but had been a part of the whole equation for most of that time as well. Mm-hmm. So that was the date I give myself is July 3rd. But then I spent six months not drinking, not smoking, my whole life being flipped upside down, doing tons of reading, just tons of reading, but still just in huge personal conflict and conflict with what had happened. And so in January of 23, I was like, I'm done with this conflict. I, where is my peace? <laughs> right? If I know God's intervention to the things I couldn't see myself, where is my peace? Why mm-hmm. am I still fighting this? So this is, I like have several times in my life, but this particular time, it's like so important. And I just say that again. And it was like, God, I, I, I prayed, right? Like just me and my creator having a conversation about what to do for me to move forward in my evolution. And it was a clear message that my sobriety was great, but I needed to start recovering. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, where does recovery happen? Because I need something different, right? I'm like doing my reading, I'm doing my therapy, doing my sobriety, I'm running, I'm actually still, I'm not at peace. I have no serenity, I have no peace. So this has been one of, at this point, was one of my biggest acknowledgements that is both so difficult and so freeing mm-hmm. and part part of my Ram Das is like you know part of that philosophy the Buddhist philosophy is don't identify as anything because you become what you identify as yeah but but okay so Brecken what I had to do was I had to make the acknowledgement that, that alcohol had become a problem in my life and that part of the reason I had relief from myself the first time I drank alcohol was because I'm an alcoholic. And the term alcoholic, alcohol is not the, uh, like, I don't feel like I have the addiction to alcohol so much as I have relief from alcohol. And when I would drink, 
it would relieve me from my emotional, from my inability to regulate my own emotions. Mm-hmm. And if within my own life, I'm going to become myself, creating that ability to regulate my own emotions is the most important thing I can do. Yes. Yeah. So alcohol isn't alcoholism. It's the medicine. It made me not feel my emotions Mm -hmm. so that I didn't have to regulate, but I didn't have to feel. Mm -hmm. It was more the distraction or the filler, the escape, you could say. Right. So what I had to do was make that acknowledgement that I have been medicating myself basically perpetuating my own internal conflict instead of acknowledging my internal conflict. Mm -hmm. So like I said earlier, if you have an internal conflict, it's going to manifest externally. So that external conflict, consistent external manifestation of my own internal reality, Mm -hmm. of my subconscious manifesting in consciousness. So now I attend AA and put myself in in rooms with other people who deal or have dealt with the same things I do, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but what, what that's done, so like, this has been a crazy year, but what I've done is six months, a lot of times it's referred to white knuckling it, right? Like I wasn't drinking, but I wasn't even reading all the books I was reading, doing all the like personal work, exercising, acknowledging myself. None of the inner peace came, mm-hmm. but what brought inner peace was making the acknowledgement to myself and to my God like that that was a part of who I am and a part of my existence. And now I can move forward with the availability to heal, you know, like Carl Jung would say, without acknowledgement, you can't change. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say. Right. You can't change for someone else. the first step to change. Right. So, so that's where it started, right? Like my previous acknowledgement was that it wasn't a problem. I realized that like I removed the medicine and there was constant conflict. So the medicine, the alcohol wasn't necessarily the problem but it was keeping me from 
solving my problems, mm-hmm. right? And I had to make that acknowledgement so that I could actually really come into myself. And so that's that's looking at myself and my own life and all of the things that I've done to screw up. And I've screwed up a lot of stuff. I've lived a really cool life <clears throat> with a lot of like beauty and a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. And some of the acknowledgements and recognitions we have to make about ourselves, though extremely difficult, are the key to our evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another Jungian quote, which is something I don't know if it was ever written, but in an interview, <clears throat> he said, You can't plant an acorn and expect a donkey. <laughs> right. So the idea there is that, like, we are what we are. And you might not always know what you are. And you might think that you're something different than you are. However, ultimately, you are what you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that acknowledgement of what I am and, you know, that that helps me to continue my evolution in, in life. Mm-hmm. And you can't pretend uh, to be like something you're not. Exactly. And... I guess ultimately that's part of the concepts and constructs of society is we all are supposed to fit into the same boxes mm-hmm. and that leaves a lot of people pretending to be something that they're not. Yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, the concept of knowing yourself is, is, being who you are um there's a wrong other people in boxes it causes trauma and other things and you know how it is and then misjudgments about yourself and things of that sort right and then you spend like your whole life (laughs) clueless so i mean i guess i don't know where we're at in time how much spiel if you have any more questions but for me in my life you know if i had to sum it up i would say the motto is go for it mm-hmm. right like experience life just just do it like you're going to mess up so you might as well you might as yourself mess up let yourself fail provide opportunities like create failure so that the failure brings the success Mm -hmm. like if if you stick to one thing from the time you're a young adult till the time you're an old man well then you failed at your whole life But if you provide lots of opportunities to fail and fail and fail, then that's where the growth comes from. Mm -hmm. Like that's where 
I'm not saying like do stupid stuff. <laughs> I mean, it matters what you qualify as stupid. You could do some but stupid I, but stuff, I but I am certain other stupid <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, like don't don't limit. Don't put yourself in a box. Right. Don't put yourself in a box. Like, you have a belief system. Question that belief system. Mm-hmm. Like part of the messed up things about the human mind is that we create our own limiting beliefs. So like, don't be your own restriction to your your true self. Mm. You know, there's, that's a really good quote. I like that a lot. (laughs) Like, like this is what we do. We're like, even in our goals, right. Brecken, I could, almost guarantee that if i asked you your goals right now you would have some pretty great and lofty goals for yourself however what if you could just consider that even those goals are limiting thoughts they probably are yeah and and so if you create even the biggest goals, expectations, desires for your own life. The sad reality of it is that it's a limiting. You're 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 really just limiting yourself. Yeah, because you only know so much. You right. Yeah. So this is where, like, test your beliefs. Test your your physicality, you know, like go jump off a cliff into a lake. <laughs> Is it scary? If it's scary, you should probably do it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like don't intentionally hurt yourself, but like don't limit yourself because you could get hurt. Mm-hmm. Don't limit yourself because you could learn something about the world or yourself that if you don't put yourself in these experiences, you don't learn. Mm-hmm. Don't let fear like, stop you. Right. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let your limiting, limited belief or limited thought keep you from an experience that like it could open you. It could affirm what you already believe or already know. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's been kind of my 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 motto like for my life is just do it like experience the experience do the thing like fail fail hard and fail a lot because out of those failures comes success Mm -hmm. right my goal in life is not to be hugely successful my goal in life is to experience life. Yeah. And along the way, I've had lots of success and a lot of failures. And in each of those things, just tons of beauty mm-hmm. and different phases of my own life experience. And I don't know, like it's all it's all just there. <laughs> Like, it's all just a life and, like, yeah, I guess I guess that's pretty much it. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Don't <laughs> let fear keep you from your, your, 
your biggest fears coming true because when they do that's that's the gateway that's the door opening like once you've confronted your fear then you get to move past it Mm -hmm. i think the beautiful thing about life and all those different experiences like no matter how painful or how joyful they could be there's still beauty within it all you know it's the vast expanse of everything that lies within life that makes it beautiful you know it's the chaos and the what's the opposite of chaos uh order that makes everything beautiful and just you want to experience it all you know that's why we're put in this life to experience it not like you said not to let fear stop you or to only focus on being successful but to focus on experiencing all that you can and the beauty that lies within all of it exactly like the chaos and order if you if you consider love and fear as two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. they always exist together yep and if you're if you have it flipped to the fear side, it's a limiting thing. And if you have it flipped to the love side, it brings abundance to your life. Mm-hmm. So just like, I don't know. Just do it. Take, just do it. <laughs> right. Like don't create your own limiting factors. Don't be your own. Don't be your own limitations and, and do life. Mm-hmm. So like, if if the the life is getting to know yourself and your authenticity and ultimately right like what god's intentions are are greater than what your intentions are mm-hmm. and so and and i just like still feel like maybe i should point out that say like when i refer to god it's not necessarily like a traditional christian perspective of god mm-hmm. if if that's an individual's perspective that's great yeah yeah respect that of course but still it's perspective in our mind right so if an individual can't identify with that christian perspective or the many different perspectives within the many realms of of general religions like the universe a higher power Mm -hmm. it's i think i believe it's all the same divine higher power we just all see in different perspectives and our own influences precisely and and that's the point is like you don't have to identify the higher higher power with anybody else's perspective right so so like i don't know i have a lot of people in my life that when i say god they cringe (laughs) i have lots of times in my life when i heard the word god i cringed Mm -hmm. because of the definition that i associated to the concept yeah so like i just to clarify like when i say god's will is greater than your own like people of course can cringe i just it's not 
It doesn't matter God if it's cringe is, or not. It's the truth. Right. Like, it, and whether and it, you it, call it the universe or Buddha or anything, it's all the same. It's all the same. And yeah, the beauty is that we get to identify what resonates within our own existence. Mm-hmm. And so this is the other part of it. It's like when I say just do it, like surrendering, like surrendering the hows, the winds, and just experiencing life as it comes to you. Not to say like, don't have your goals, have your motivation, have all that stuff, but don't allow those things to become your limiting factors. Mm-hmm. Don't allow your own mind to be your limitation do it right if it's put in front of you god put it there (laughs) and that's what it is like i mean brecken i could have said no i'm not gonna do your podcast (laughs) i don't know if i'm ready for that Mm -hmm. i don't know but you asked me and i said yes right Mm -hmm. i didn't seek it out it came to me if my words help influence somebody through your podcast, then something great has happened. I think it was a time thing because when I first started doing my podcast, one of my like mom's cousin's son or something like that from her other side asked me to get you on there because of like your glass blowing and art thing. But that was like, a year and a half ago you know and then now we finally got to it and i think this is definitely a better time than it would have been back in the day you know a year and a half ago like i would have just talked about glass blowing yeah yeah but i think recycling whatever like <laughs> yeah it's it's been it's been totally different mm-hmm. but i think there's uh, beauty in it it's a great thing yeah i mean like i'm so grateful my life got torn apart <laughs> like I said yes to to what God put in, in front of me and you know my intentions were not God's intentions mm-hmm. and if it was my will my life would still be what it was mm-hmm. but I still I wouldn't be who I am today yeah and that's the difference is like today I can be stronger more in tune with myself have my spiritual grounding more fortified because i've been able to release my own will to god's will and in in that way of being dependent on god actually know myself better so like it's a funny thing but like electricity right (laughs) like the the relationship humans have with electricity is a healthy dependence Mm -hmm. we depend on electricity so we can do things like this podcast or have lights in our home Mm -hmm. and it helps us thrive in our own personal life through the dependence of electricity Mm -hmm. and so ultimately it's the same with with your relationship with God is your personal life gets to thrive 
is you depend more on God. And that's like, yeah. And then if you don't have electricity or don't have that relationship with God, you tend to suffer through the darkness and try to just find your own way, you know? Right. Which you end up hitting lots of walls throughout along the way and smacking into things. Yeah. And at the same time, don't be afraid of, of smacking into walls. You know, I mean, you, smack, once you smack into the wall, you learn where it is, and then you can avoid it the next time. Right, like you know, there there's no regretting the past mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't do anything yeah. for your present to regret the past. Mm-hmm. I could have made a lot of different choices in my life. Ultimately, every single choice I've ever made has brought me to where I am. And I couldn't be who I I am today without making all of my good choices and all of my bad choices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't take anything back. I wouldn't do anything different. Like, there's things that could have made life easier. But I guess I'm not really looking for easy, you know? If it was easy, like, it wouldn't be beautiful exactly um so yeah i you know i guess that's the sum up like do do what you do have a lot of fun i don't know like (laughs) yeah it's it's hard because like i don't know i i can only imagine who you're general audience is i don't i don't care who my general audience is i love this oh i mean like the most impactful things of my whole life have been a lot of the things that certain people never do yeah yeah right like it's okay i find those things interesting though so i love talking about this like the psychologist like you know, I talk to your dad on occasion and we talk about all these things and, you know, Carl Jung, Ram Das, Timothy Leary. Like, Timothy Leary's not the best example, but he just <laughs> brought a lot into, um, brought it into view yeah. of the world. But, like, your mind and i guess one of the things i haven't talked about we don't need to go into but like my experiences with some psychedelics and ceremony can also be achieved through meditation Mm -hmm. and But what you're accessing is a higher level of consciousness and different realms, which is where where healing really happens or where it starts to happen. Like because you get to step out of your your conscious, your reality, like your present outside of your present state. Mm-hmm. And those things that can happen through many different practices, of course, it's it's all the same place, but there's different pathways to get to there. Right. Like 
breath work, yeah. meditation, and then like I don't know, like I I don't want to. I think I might have said this, but like to go get a bag of mushrooms <laughs> but but the right set and setting like <laughs> healing growth mind expansion is is all there mm-hmm. right there is different pathways and each of those pathways is going to give you a different experience mm-hmm. right I'm not eating mushrooms anymore, but I am meditating. Yeah. yeah. And in my meditation places, go to some pretty interesting places. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, but, but just, I don't know. Edit whatever I, you I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I just say do whatever works best for you and whatever is you feel comfortable with when you're ready at the time. Oh yeah, totally. And the safety of like, others as well, sometimes. Right. The safety of, of others is always important. Yes. Um, like I said, God will put it in front of you, whatever the path is, don't be your own limiting factor and allow allow God, allow creation to bring into your life the things that are meant for you. Mm-hmm. Allow change. And don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Awesome. So I think that's yeah. a great place to end. Yeah. That's super cool. Good. This has been awesome well, talking to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Call me anytime, Dragon. You know, I'm would you chat about some books or some stuff and uh you know, it's all there. Did we happen to mention that I'm your uncle? Uh, oh, I'll, I'll probably mention that in the, in the <laughs> intro. I usually make an intro. <laughs> cool. But yeah, you know, if, if anytime you want to chat, mm-hmm. just hit me up. I'm available. Good. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it cool. was good. <laughs> See ya. See ya, Bragan.